0: All right, Om Namo Gurudev Namo. This is really a big deal for me. I can't believe I'm doing this again. I'm gonna just go ahead and tune myself up right here. No problem. Hi, how's it going? Everything looks a lot better on the sparkle filter. And this year I've decided to focus on beauty, if you guys haven't noticed. Just been focusing on making everything look a lot more beautiful. And that's really been from my study of Zen. So for those of you that are just meeting me, my name is Ever I'm a spiritual teacher. I have been my whole life. It's funny, I've met people from when I was real young. They're like, you said something to me that changed my life. And uh, you have a destiny as well, something that it feels like you've done your whole entire life. So it's really great to be here, but I started taking my work seriously in 2015 when my fiance died, and since then I've been doing this work full time. So this, the School of Unified Spiritual Laws is largely informed by the Fourth Way, and the fourth we are the teachings of Gurdjieff, his student P.D. Espensky, and my personal favorite is uh, Maurice Nickel. Now, the thing about these teachings is that they're hidden in plain sight. And if you guys see me looking in two different directions, it's because uh, we're doing this for the computer and also a version that you guys can be watching on your phone as well. So everybody bear with me a little bit if my eyes are going in opposite directions. I'm doing the best that I can. So I started studying the fourth way early last year with my teacher, Biet. I had studied it, you know, via OSHO and stuff before a teacher who I really respect. Um, But I started taking that practice seriously at the beginning of last year, and these teachings are oral traditions. That means that like, no matter how much you read them, they can't really be revealed to you until a teacher opens the door. And if you guys are on the school, then, oh my God, there's just so much that I want to teach. But you know that sometimes I have the name of of the lecture and it ends up being much, much more. And also, before I get going on this... I've made a commitment to praying in front of my entire audience every time I shoot the school because these are complex teachings. I've had to study really, really hard to be able to understand them. There's a big difference between hearing something and there's an understanding. And I think we all feel that in a world where so many people regram spiritual quotes and then behave in a way that's not in alignment with that at all. For example, a personal favorite premiere is when people leave atrocious comments on my stuff and then I go and look at their bio and it's like, oh, have a good Attitude. And so there's a there's real lack of integrity going on right now. And, and that means that there's more space than ever for people who have always felt like they're here to heal. There's more space than ever for you to come and share your unique message with the world. So at the same start, time that I started studying the fourth way, I also started studying Zen through this, the way that I study everything is sometimes if I really spend a lot of time thinking about one sentence from one book, the whole thing will open up and reveal itself to me. So for example, with the Tao Te Ching, I took like four years to read that, but I really came to understand each and every verse and not just like how it worked, but how it actually applied to my life and how it worked for me. So what you guys appreciate for me as a teacher is like, I really go into painstaking detail to make sure you understand because it took me a long, time to understand these concepts and when I heard them for the first time it was like but in order to master something you do have to teach it and there is a law about teaching which means that unless I bring students up to my level I'm not allowed to progress so if you find yourself really interested by some of the things that you're learning here please try and explain it to somebody if you teach even one person you'll find that you retained more than you thought you did and that you bring something new to the teaching and Let's say a little prayer right now. First of all, Spirit, thank you so much for the opportunity that I have to be here and share this work. I hear my baby bawling his eyes out downstairs. Please help me to remember my boundaries, but also for him and his dad to find a great way of communicating through this. There's so much that I want to teach today. I'm looking out over this curriculum for the upcoming month and I'm just bursting at the seams because there's so much I want to share, but I know that it's very important to learn about these things in a specific order. So please help me to put my plan aside. Help me to put my agenda for this aside and instead just be a conduit of the teachings that will most serve everyone here at this time. I can't do any of this without you. Please help me to channel these teachings the same way that they were channeled to me. And I ask that everyone here is able to present what most needs to be healed in themselves and that we can all heal here together. Thank you. I I rely on prayer as a lifestyle. So because I was explaining the function of a teacher, I'm going to jump ahead to the esoteric, mesoteric, and exoteric teachings because it'll be better for you at this time. So I've got my trusty whiteboard here, and hopefully you guys can all see it. This whiteboard's name is Lex. Because she was the one that was like, please, girl, you've got to get a whiteboard. And I think it makes it a lot easier for all of us. And because I have my little ring light on my whiteboard already, I can see the, uh, the ring from it on this other recording down here. I'll be able to make this circle really, really nice. So there are three levels of teachings, and I'll explain them right now. So the most outermost circle here, people can't really, whoopsie, let me get this set up for my people so that they can really see. There are three levels of spiritual teachings. This smallest one out here, this is called the exoteric. Here in the middle is called the mesoteric. And here is the esoteric. And I've actually, I should have done... Am I going to have to start this all over again? Let me get this right. This is why I pray, you guys. This is why I pray. So it would actually be that the largest circle, this would be the exoteric, where most of the people are in. Here in the middle is a smaller circle, this is known as the mesoteric. And then this tiny, the smallest circle over here, this is the esoteric. So, exoteric teachings are like the outermost, every every religion has always had a secret teaching and it's really important to understand that. So at the exoteric level of spirituality, it seems like there's all of these different religions. So we would see Islam, we would see Christianity, we would see, um, you know, what are some other, what are some other religions, we see like Mormons, we would see everybody is having very different religions. So this is where basically everybody starts their path is here in the exoteric. This is where the teachers, you know, you've got the evangelists, you've got the preachers, but people that are very dogmatic about, you know, like, this is the way, a walkie in it. And it's the difficulty with finding a unified system here. These are the religions that fight. You know, if you look at what's going on in the Middle East, they're having an argument. They believe in the same God. But the Sunnis and the other ones they have, and the Shiites have a difficulty agreeing on which prophet translated the messages best. So in the exoteric, this is responsible for all the religious wars. Is us trying to determine that there's one right thing for everybody when we're dealing with exoteric teachings. There is no one right exoteric teaching that is available to anybody. So on your own, you can study these really well. And the door that opens into the mesoteric teachings. This is important. Please listen. The door that is open from the exoteric to the mesoteric is opened by you, is opened by your magnetic center. So when you're studying, when person A, like I talked about in the previews, when person A, the person that's still motivated by A influences, so money, success, fame, people like this make good police officers, they follow rules, they're like governed by the body, this, uh, these people are all in the exoteric place now when this person starts to ask bigger questions like look i don't understand what Christ's parables are i don't understand there's a loophole with mormonism like what about black people going into lake of fire like i can't get with that but i have a lot of friends that are mormons and they're not all racist but i know that the black thing and the mormon thing like is is a thing and i've actually never met a black mormon but there might be some there's black jews i'd love to if anyone knows a black mormon please reach out to me i think that's super interesting because uh a lot of religions are realizing now that like they need to update their homophobic racist playbook ASAP if they want to have any people as a part of their religion. So the door that opens from the exoteric to the second level of teachings, this is opened by your magnetic center. So when you start to see like, hey, these stories are archetypal. Like I can see, I can get down with any religion. When you start to be able to get down with any religion because anyone that's talking about God, you're like, I can get with that that's when the door opens to the second level of teaching, which are known as um, the mesoteric. So if you think about this, the way that like old temples were set up, basically the exoteric would be the courtyard. So like actually like outside on the front, you know, like not even allowed in the mesoteric would be the temple itself. where like, you can go in if you are prepared and dressed appropriately, but inside the temple, there's a very small room and hardly anyone is allowed in there. And that's a significance of the esoteric teachings. So you can get yourself about halfway into the mesoteric teachings before you hit a wall and that wall is called paradox. Okay. Um, And we'll get to that in a second. So the mesoteric ideas, we find the deeper meanings of all of these religions. So for Christianity, Christianity is going to become Gnosticism. Um, Islam is going to become Sufi. These are like the, inner, the innermost teachings, all right? And Mormon, I don't know what like the deeper level of Mormonism was, but if we considered Mormonism an offshoot of Christianity, then like the real truth would, would be in the Gnostic Gospels there. For Hinduism, this becomes Tantra. And so you can get yourself, you can become smart enough. Your magnetic center can work hard enough on your behalf to open this gate from the exoteric to the mesoteric for you. If you prepare correctly, just like at the temple, if you're dressed right, you can come in, but all of the secrets won't be revealed to you because you hit that wall of paradox. And I'll explain that in in one more moment. So, like how this worked for me as a teacher is I spent a couple years really studying Tantra, was where I spent the most time in here. But Sufism, of course, as well. And I've been contemplating the poems of Rumi for many, many years. And so that's Gnostic Gospels, not so much, but I had a lot of friends that did. And then as I started reading, you know, getting into them, but I I would say I spent the most time studying Tantra. That was my specific path. And I got there, you know, through way of yoga and studying all of these because Tantra is every is everything connected. It's the supreme understanding, as Osho says, and it's a very dear to me. And I teach a lot about Tantra on the Bruja report And this, you know, all of these teachings inspired by the fourth way, but you're going to be hearing a lot about Zen, you're going to be hearing a lot about Tantra, and you're going to be hearing a lot just from regular old me. And I've got to say just one more time that it is a really great honor to be here. So the message. You can explore here for a long time, but a lot of people get stuck here because they're like, well, can't I just read a book for everything? Can't I just read a book for everything? Because now when you've made your way into the mesoteric teachings, you're like, this is crazy. The sky's the limit. And a lot of people, a lot of spiritual teachers, they get held up here because there's a classic quandary that happens right here in the middle where the student needs to humble themselves where the teacher needs to humble themselves and become a student again at the feet of a master. This takes a lot of humility to do, especially if you've already started holding space for people. When you start studying the mesoteric teachings, this is when your, your career starts to really take off as well. Um, because you can talk to anybody about anything and you recognize human sufferings and how the seven deadly sins work across cultures and religions, their association with the chakra system and like all of that stuff. You learn that you can solve most people's problems the same way that you've been able to solve your own. Things get a lot easier. Money starts to flow. But the the problem that comes here is a lot of times you can be too proud to be like, you know what? I need a teacher right now because couldn't I just get a book for this? And this is actually a really natural and beautiful filter that spirit. Spiritual teachings have always had around themselves, where the people that won't humble themselves, the people that wouldn't humble themselves to learn are the people that could weaponize these teachings. So as a result, their natural pride uh, keeps them from ever advancing because they're like, I'll just get a book on it. I'll just Google it. And it's extra hilarious. My, uh, my friend Remington Donovan, who's a spiritual master, I really recommend working with him. I've worked with him many, many times supremely talented man who's been in the spiritual lineage since he was a child. He's a, a, an amazing guy and an amazing friend. Um, but we laugh about this a lot because we'll be referencing in our careers, you know, spiritual secrets. And people are like, there are no such thing as spiritual secrets. And you have to just be like Sat honey, because that person is going to stay on the, that level unless they're spiritually moved um, or shocked as per the law of the octave, which we'll talk about at a time when it's more absorbable for you. So uh, you get to a point where you can progress no longer on your own, no matter how many books you read, because you don't understand. And the thing that you need to understand to be able to, to move through higher levels of mesoteric teachings is the art of paradox. And paradox means two contradictory things at the same time. So this can be, for me, this was most difficult to understand with, can I, I'm doing, I was doing, working with a teacher and I was doing a lot of affirmations. I was doing 90 days of affirmations written out 15 times. So quite a lot of actual writing, especially if you're a mom. But at the same time I was afraid of using my powers for like asking um, divine feminine or other forms of surrender because I'm like isn't this sending a contradictory message. On one hand I'm affirming that I have it and on the other hand I'm affirming that I don't. And it was very difficult for me to move past that because I just couldn't understand. That's why I started working with a teacher who helped me to to really see you have to have somebody help you to understand how the paradox is applied in your life because even though i just explained it to you okay it's these it's both and it's not either or this is where the uh the yin yang comes from allowing and uh you know like acting and allowing at the same time being surrendered but also using hard work like how can i be both of these things at the same time this is where you need a teacher so this right here to get from the one level of mesoteric teachings to the second requires a teacher because a lot of these teachings for what we're teaching here in the school. Well, you have to be, it's, you can read the book, but it won't reveal itself to you. You have to create a certain amount of bandwidth for this work. You have to know a certain amount of terminology. You have to have a, otherwise you'll read the book and it'll just be flat to you. Now for my prodigious Uh, teachers who are in denial about being students, or anybody that just wants to DIY this, I invite you, please try to do it without a teacher. The book, The Fourth Way by P.D. Spensky is the best place to start. It's just called The Fourth Way. But uh, try and uh, read it. But then if you try and read it after working with me where I've explained to you what these terms are and you can be like, yes, okay, I get it. Then it'll start to open up to you the same way I was saying I can study one sentence. And if if I just chew on it for months at times, it'll eventually open up to me. and, And that's always been the way that spiritual secrets work. So where you are right now and what I'm offering to do for you is to take you by the hand to the higher level of the mesoteric teachings. Now here's what the esoteric teachings are on the deepest level. So Hinduism, Tantra, tantra, this becomes Brahma at the deepest level. Christ Gnosticism, this becomes God, the absolute, at the deepest level. And Islam Sufi, I believe that it's Allah at the deepest level. All right. So direct experience with the divine. Now, if you ever come across anybody that's telling you, I can take you all the way here to directly experience God, they're full of shit they're full of shit because only you can do this. It's like, there's a lot of teachings that'll never be written down. This would be the Tao, like the ultimate Tao. Um, any like supreme deity of any, the all mother or all father, that's uh, Dumare and like Lukumi, Dumare would be here. That's it would be the deepest level of Santeria or Ifa. Um, that's something that that you can only experience for yourself. But what a teacher and what I'm here to do for you is to escort you to the door right here. And I can tell you, all right, here's all the bullshit that you're usually thinking is God. Here's all the bullshit. This is why I came to this work. It was very scary for me. I realized that I had made it uh, almost seven years into my spiritual curriculum. Uh, my spiritual career. And I had never once actually been listening to God. God had spoken to me a few times, but as far as like being in direct communication with that, I am that, that I am being in direct communication with that. No, I had basically been listening to my mind the whole time and really nice sides of my mind, really nice people in my mind, but, uh, but still my mind and not exactly God. So when a teacher opens up the door for you to start working your way through the higher level of these mesoteric teachings, then this is what... This is, has always been the purpose of the school. There's been schools that existed since the beginning of time. My soul was an initiate in the Temple of Venus and has been in the Sarmon Brotherhood and all this. My soul has been a teacher for a really long time. And if you want to know more about the life histories of your soul, a teacher I love to work with on that. Her name is Erin Fogel, and Erin is spelled A-E-R-I-N. She started the Venus Fest in Canada and she's been teaching me for many, many years. Um, She does past life readings in a way that I think are superior to anything else I've ever experienced. She's very, very good at that. Um, But what I can do is start to walk you through these mesoteric teachings and clear away the bullshit that's preventing you from directly experiencing contact with God. All right. So the primary intention of the School of Unified Spiritual Laws, and I'll, I'll state this heart to heart, I want you to be able to tap into your own inner wisdom, and it's not going to be possible to do that as long as you're still listening to the fluctuations of the mind. All right. So right now, the mind has created everything that you think is you. So you're basically constantly, constantly listening to like complete and other utter bullshit, but the problem is, is that like you're very identified with it. So everything that, so okay, here's, here's this for example. I had a really big fear of press because there was a thought that used to come up in my head that says somebody's gonna call you a racist, which is like, or a pedophile, which is like the two things I'm most afraid of ever being called. Now, the illusion that I'm believing here is first of all, just because somebody calls me a racist or a pedophile, doesn't mean that that's who I am. So that's error number one. There's one error in that statement and that fear I have of bad press, all right? Um, the second error I have in that statement is like, uh, just because my mind tells me I'm a racist or that I'm stupid or that I'm a pedophile, literally I pinch my baby's butt every time I change his diaper, he doesn't wear diapers anymore. But every time he used to pinch his butt, there would be a thought that showed up in my head that was like, you're a pedophile. And I would believe it. I would be identified with it all the time. Now, you know how much time I would lose like following that thought down to the bottom and be like, no, of course I'm not. But like my, my argument in my head was, you grew up around a lot of pedophiles. They're who you judge most because of your resistance. You're turning into them. And that I lose so much energy and we'll talk about like the main ways we leak energy. I lose so much energy chasing that thought which was bullshit to begin with. Just because somebody else calls you something, doesn't mean that's who you are. Just because your mind tells you you're somebody, doesn't mean that's who you are. But the majority of our life and our paralysis when it comes to doing what's important to us is because we're literally so afraid that just because someone says something about us, that's who we are, that's who we'll become. Or just because our mind tells us something about ourselves, like you'll never succeed, that that's also true. and. The thing is, is like when you're sitting down in meditation, this is why when you're a fourth way student, other paths won't really work for you because when you're sitting down in meditation being like, spirit, please guide me, please show me what it is that I'm supposed to do. And you close your eyes and you sit and listen. And a voice comes up that says, you're stupid. You'll never succeed at anything. And so what do you do then? What? Oh my God. I really hope that that's not true. Oh shit. I'm supposed to be meditating right now. I'm trying to meditate, but what's the point? I'm never going to be good at it anyways. Oh, you You know what? I was supposed to make something for lunch. I've actually got to get up and eat something right now. So that's what's going on in your brain. And the whole time you're telling yourself, oh, well, I meditate every day. You're not getting results. You're not getting results. And you're actually creating more work for yourself because you're sitting down, arguing with yourself, resisting yourself, being angry at yourself, calling yourself stupid. It's like the fucking worst time. All of this world, because you're believing the things that your thoughts tell you. And it would be nice if like, cause I tried just doing the work of Byron Katie all the time. So I'll be like, okay, if I believe my thoughts, I'm in trouble. So I tried just doing that as a path. But the problem is my thoughts are super fucking sneaky. So before you know it, I'm like wondering if the constant negative fantasies I have about my kid dying my uncontrollable anxiety, I, my thoughts are sneaking and all of a sudden I'm putting out those fires again because my mind is telling me something and I believe it. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to get your pen and your paper and i want you to think close your eyes for a minute and i want you to isolate one problem that you've been experiencing recently something that you haven't been able to find an answer to something that just seems like it hasn't really worked out so for me the big question i'm sitting with is like how can i make 40 grand every month and the feeling the non tantric feeling of me either getting closer to or further away from that goal so i'm going to use money as a symbol for that and i would like you to write down right now what it is that you are currently struggling with. It could be a love thing, but just write a little like symbol for yourself because we're going to visit this later. And I'll put this over here so that my people down here can see it as well. It's very interesting talking to two cameras at once. All right, and here's just what I want you to do. The best place what how I explain the school is like I'm going to bring you I don't want you to trust in me and I don't want you to trust in God and I don't want you to trust in anything what I want to do is bring you to psychological vantage points where you can see for yourself, you know, like so many religions ask for so much trust for you. so many blind eyes. I can't tell you how many people have told me Jesus's parables and they have no fucking idea what it means. My mom was telling the Uber driver about some like complete non sequitur from the book of Deborah, you know? And I was like the book of Deborah. Like I did not even know that Uber driver was like laughing so much. Um, But there's a lot of knowledge and very little understanding out there. And that's why, again, I think that this is really a time for spiritual teachers. And I think that you might be one as well, because it's just, uh, you know, everything that I do is spiritual work, but I always teach people that go on to teach others. And that's why my Instagram bio says I teach teachers because I do. Um, So here's what I want you to do. We're going to close our eyes for a second. And we're going to close our eyes for let's say three minutes and I'll put on a little song for us down here. Now, here's what I want you to do. You have your pen and your paper nearby. I'm hoping you came to school with your pen and your paper. We're going to sit down and we're going to try and meditate for three minutes, but every time you hear a voice come up in your head. I want you to Put just a tally mark down on the thing. You don't have to name it. You don't have to get clear about it. But something I do want you to do is just take notice of like, is this helpful or hurtful? Sometimes I like to ask myself, okay, who's actually talking here? Because when in my head I said, this fucking retard, that's not me. I'm literally repeating something I heard my brother say to me like almost 20 years ago to me about myself. So when I, when something happens and some, and my (laughs) brain just like queefs out this statement that has nothing to do with me, um if I identify with that, I'll be, oh my God, I'm like the worst person in the world for the rest of the day. But actually my mind is just talking all the time. And so is yours. And I remember when we did this at school, everybody was like, oh my God, this is terrible because it is. The thing is, is that in order to go, in order to make it to the higher level of teachings, the higher level of mesoteric teachings, you have to be so fucking humble and you have to be so hungry for this. And of course in miracles, it says above everything else I want to see above my, the number one most important thing to me is to be able to see things clearly because Maya, the illusion that you always hear people talking about, the illusion is not where you're living. This table, our conversation right now, that's not an illusion. What's an illusion is like how much you're managing to worry about and obsess about, how unpresent you're able to be, how far fucking removed from this conversation we're having right now. That's the illusion that you're living in. I didn't bring a pen and a paper. I'm not a good student. I'm always the last person in line. Why can I get what I want? I should have been a boy or a girl. Am I a boy or a girl? I don't even understand what's happening to me right now. I wonder if my baby's okay. Like this is what we're doing when we're meditating. And that's why you haven't made any progress. So we're gonna do three minutes together of meditation and every time you have one, you'll see me doing it too, I want you to put a mark on your pen and your paper. And we're just gonna see about how many people are talking to you when you're trying to sit still for three minutes, okay? Let's do this. I'm actually gonna name some of these voices in my head so like I just had two voices of insecure teacher come up I'm fucking this up are people having a good time am I too scattered so that's actually three but if you notice that it's kind of like the same personality talking all the time just make a note if you're able to identify it and let's continue
1: Say, Mongo, such to such heavy, such such Ajuni se ban guru ko samaj. Aad sach, tu gaad the sach, hai bhi sach, na nikho si bhi sach. Ek onkar sad nam, kartapure nirbo nirve apkalamure ajuni. I'm such to God is such. Have such. None you Such. None you Such. a ajundi sapam guru prasaach are such to god such happy such sibi sach nanak ho sibi such About thirty more seconds.
0: All right, satnam. Okay, just so you know, this is a pretty good day for me. When I first started doing this, you better believe I had a lot more. But in that three minutes of sitting and meditating, I had one thought of anxiety, one thought of jealousy, five thoughts, which I call the insecure teacher, which is basically me stressing about how I'm conveying this to you. I had the planner, you know, wanting to make sure all my schedule is on par. I have the mom and the wife thoughts, there are two of those, and my impatient thoughts, there were also two of those. So let's see, we've got 10, 12. I had 12 people talking to me in the course of three minutes. Now, for people that were early to doing this, I, the, the classic one was 50, except for one liar who I'm like, dude, if you seriously only had two thoughts that whole time, get your ass out of my school. You don't need to be here. You're like deep in the Esoteric teachings. You're more advanced than, than I am. Um, so let's see. Kylie says, what about the forever chatter saying, inhale, exhale, or the constant chatter at the count of the breath? Well, you identify that. Is it something that you feel is God speaking to you? Do you feel like God's reminding you to inhale and exhale? Do you think that God's telling you to breathe? Or do you think that God designed you in a way where you can breathe without thinking of it? However." I use a lot of mantra with basically all of, I'm constantly singing mantra, like that was the mool mantra, constantly singing mantra, because I find it helps me to focus my brain on just one thing. Um, but you know, the, the voice that's like, now I'm inhaling, now I'm exhaling, if you're actually relaxed, it's only you can tell who's talking to you, but you can tell by how it feels. So who here, who here wants to write down some of how many voices they had talking to them just then? A lot. So I had 12 and I'm interested to see what other people say. So here's why uh, this is a problem. This is what your mind looks like. This is what your mind would look like if it was empty and there were no centers, but it's actually divided into four centers. I'm going to give you this because one of my main intentions for this conversation was to give you something that you can really start to work on this week. And so after this, I'll take a few questions, but I think that this, this should handle it for you. Um, so what we have going on here, there's four centers of the mind. So all of those voices you've heard, they're coming from one of four places. And we'll just start because these are actually broken down into subdivisions. Um, but for right now, we'll, we'll just start here. So there is the intellectual center. There is the emotional center down here. We have the instinctive center and then we have the moving center down here. So I'll just run you through what each of these centers do. Of all of these, the moving center is probably the most crude. So the moving center, the moving center just records things, all right? The moving center is also able to do things on autopilot. There is a great so think about this. I don't drive, but my husband does. When my husband is driving, he's not thinking about how he's driving a car because it's recorded. He's done it so many times that it's in his moving center now that he doesn't have to think about it. When I'm walking down the stairs, I don't have to think about how to walk down the stairs. If I started thinking, how do I walk down these fucking stairs? I'd probably fall. I'd probably like fall and eat shit. So the moving center records things. And when I said that horrible, when I said fucking retard, when I said, I'm just repeating something I heard when I was a child, something that has nothing to do with me, but something I heard as a child. What is it that just repeats? When you say what are called gramophone sentences, where you're like, I can't take this anymore, where people repeat, like, especially in childbirth, oh, I just can't take this anymore. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And when you say, oh, I just can't take it anymore, you give your power away and you're absolutely done. But like, you're not even saying that you heard that you watched it in a movie, society fed it to you, you're pretending to be that, and you also believe it. So the moving center does things mechanically. Now you're going to learn the humility required to go into the mesoteric teachings is you being like, I am a machine, I am a robot. I cannot stop myself. My body and my mind don't obey me. Seriously. I said, I wasn't going to get mad about that. And here I am watching myself freak out saying, I can't take it anymore. Like this is crazy. My body, my human skin suit is the fucking liability. It's going around, it's speaking to people I love, telling them I don't love you anymore. It's treating people meanly. It's it's saying just absolute fucking nonsense, reciting jokes that have nothing to do with me. It's me being impatient in the line, being mean to everybody around me. And I cannot control my body and I cannot control my mind. I'm telling my body, don't you fucking go pick that pimple. I'm like a robot, I'm there. Like a robot, I'm in front of the fridge, binging. Like a robot, I'm screaming at my husband. Like a robot, I hit send on that mean text and delete it so I can forget it ever happened. You are reliability to yourself, honey. We are uncontrollable robots. You want to talk about uncontrollable AI? It's happening right now because your body and your mind don't listen to you because we're always just a slave to these centers. But when we learn how to master them, and the first step is the awareness of it, because you will not, the primary block to enlightenment, great, we're right on, uh, on topic for this lecture, the primary obstacle to enlightenment is feeling like you're already there. So people that are halfway through the mesoteric teachings are like, whoo, I just found out about Tantra, I don't need a teacher anymore, I'm basically enlightened. If you asked me, where are you on a scale of one to 10 with spirituality, you would probably give yourself a seven, even though on the heart, you're like, I'm a fucking 10, dude, straight up. I don't have any problems anymore. Like I am a 10, like I'm good. Um, when you feel, when you don't think you certainly wouldn't say, well, I'm at a zero because when I started this work, I was pretty resistant to hearing it. I was like, listen, I don't think you know me. I've been a spiritual teacher for many, many lifetimes, for many, many lifetimes. I've also, you know, had a lot of trauma and stuff that I've worked through. I have a unique opportunity, but I'm special as a teacher, basically. Don't you know who I am? Like, I don't think that I should say that I'm at absolute zero. Because I made it all the way through the esoteric teachings on my own, and I'm halfway here waiting around the mesoteric teachings on my own. Like, I'm definitely not a zero. What is required for you to pass into the higher level of teachings? This is why Jesus, the King, was born in a stable. You have to have, when Jesus says, except you become as little children, you have to say, I know nothing. I know nothing. I know nothing. It's only that hunger, that desire that will cause you to make any practice. So it should have been fairly fucking alarming to you that in the course of three minutes, you have people, most of them mean, talking shit to you all day and the amount of time that you're constantly losing These routines, these negative routines that you're so comfortable in. I coached a jeweler for a long time, and she was like, oh, this is just my creative process. I feel like I'm doing really good. Then a voice comes up, says, you're not an artist. I fight it for four or five months, and then I come back. You've lost four to five. Five months. I had somebody tell me the other day, well, I have a really porous aura. So as a result, I have to deal with the fuck is a porous aura? And why don't you just make your aura stronger? Why don't you just make your aura stronger? Like, why are we constantly accepting these things about myself? Losing five months to feeling depressed is a part of my creative process. I have a porous aura and have to spend so much time like doing shit to repair it. Why don't you just make this person, uh, why don't you just make your aura stronger? why don't you just do that? So we're constantly, the the mind is sending us on wild goose chases all the time. And so this is what the mind looks like. Main block to consciousness, number one block to consciousness, write it down somewhere for yourself. The only thing that can keep you from becoming conscious is you believing that you're already there. So if you told me to go put a red turban on right now, I'd be like, why the fuck would I do that? I'm wearing one right now. Now, of course I love the volume. I could always make a Prada headband out of this, but If I already have it, why would I go looking for it? And if you already feel your enlightenment, if you already feel your enlightenment, you're enlightened or you'll at least be there in like five years, then you're cutting yourself off spiritually. And this is where a lot of teachers get stuck and they go around writing real shitty comments on myself and writing things about how we know there's no spiritual secrets and they've already discovered them all on Google. I'm like, okay, bitch, see you never. this is what your mind looks like. So the moving center, the moving center is super useful. And one of the best things that you can do to like get wiser is when you take something that was difficult, like the concepts I'm, I'm explaining now, this was so difficult for me to teach the first year. It's a lot easier for me right now. Um, But when, So, for example, I love learning new songs on the piano or new types of twerking moves. Because when you first see someone doing booty isolations, you're like, oh my God, how do you do that? It comes in through the intellectual center. So you're like trying and you go and you try and do it, but it's mechanical because you don't know how. So you're looking up, okay, intellectually, how does one make their booty move like this? And then for the first years of you dancing, you're super awkward and stiff because you have to think about what it is that you're you're doing. Doing choreography it doesn't look natural to you but when you do it so many times through practice and frustration and all of them it something that was very difficult becomes something that you can do without thinking about it like riding a bike with no hands this is a very as many things as you can do that that's one of the best things that you can do for spiritual growth practicing something over and over until you get better so the intellectual center this makes pros and cons list. it's super important um, the thing is, is that the pros and cons list with the intellectual center is never done. So if you have been sitting in meditation being like, please, do I spend $1,200 on advertising? Yes or no? And you get a yes, and then you get a no. And you get a yes, and then you get a no. And you get that's what the intellectual center can do forever. You have to know how to cut it off. We have the instinctive center down here. The instinctive, this is your gut, but it's also the reflexes that cause you to pull your hands off of something hot. Um, as a mother, a lot of things come through your instinctive center, like the baby knowing how to nurse, knowing how to crawl to the boob, you knowing how to take care of your baby, how to educate your baby, how to heal your baby, how to birth your fucking baby. You innately know in your instinctive center how to do it all. If your intellectual center forgot all that bullshit society fed you about how you can't do your fucking woman rights without some dude in a white coat overseeing you, fuck that. If you forgot all of that, your instinctive center would you remember, you don't have to worry about that. Then there's the emotional center, and this is, of course, the world of our feelings. These are then divided down four more times each one. So the emotional would have another four centers instinctive, moving, intellectual, and emotional. And then each one of these would be split down again by four, we're not going to get into the subdivisions right now because your poor little fucking head would explode and I know mine would too. But I just want you to know that for the future. So basically your body, your intuition is trying to communicate with you all the time. First instinctive. So instinctive says don't you walk down that fucking alley. Now, if you if the intellectual center shoots back and it's like, well, why don't I walk down that alley? The instinctive center has no good reason. You can listen or you don't. You can listen or you don't. Usually our intellectual center is so dear to us, which we're usually just like letting run our life, even though it's made out of 15,000 million arguing people. Remember, it's yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. There's no third force at play here. And we'll talk about that in the law of three. But it can just be yes, no, yes, no, yes, no forever. And so if you were trying to decide if you should, you know, not go down that alley or not, and you're caught listening to your intellectual mind, think about how many times you didn't want to sleep with somebody and you talked yourself into it, if you want to be real. Think about how many times you didn't want to sleep with somebody and you talked yourself into it it was easier than saying no. Sorry, ladies, but that's the realness, right? Um, but your instinctive says, no, don't do that. Your intellectual center can talk you out of that. Then your emotional center, the second way that your intuition tries to speak to you is by telling you like it feels bad. It feels bad. I don't like this date I'm on right now. I don't like this date I'm on right now. I'm having a bad time here. This guy sucks. But your intellectual center is like, be polite, be a nice girl. You've got to just stick it out and you override the way that your wisdom is trying to speak to you via the emotional and instinctive centers. Your intellect can talk you out of that. So it's really important to know that. So here's what I want you to do. This is going to be your homework. Now, what I love so much about this practice, it's private. It's private. It's high mileage as well. So private, you don't have to tell anybody you're doing this. You can do it on your own, which is great because I'm a, I'm more of a lone wolf than a team player. I work hard on my spiritual game. I'm very happy that this is not reliant on anybody else. This is all reliant on me. Something else that I love about it is that it's fucking high mileage. I'm still working this. And when I attend fourth way meetings that have a lot of teachers that are much older than me, they're still learning this. So you can unpack this for a super, super, super long time. All right. Now, I want you to start to, as you notice yourself having thoughts, I want you to do this little three minute practice every day. You're not trying to make there be no thoughts. You're not trying to, because that's never going to happen. But what happens when we get, this gives us a map through which to view our thoughts. So instead of just watching our thoughts, it's when we're just watching our thoughts, it's really easy to get identified with them. For me, the food related ones, super easy. One thought drifts by, you'll die if you don't eat right now. Oh, gotta go. (laughs) I gotta go right now. Anyone else get that? Uh, anyone else get that? Oh, I gotta go right now. Um, worry, anxiety, another one that really, you know, if I, if I decide, if I'm not vigilant enough about like, you know what? I'm not in the fucking mood to go down an anxiety train right now. I can be in a state of anxiety for many, many weeks. Until I decide I'm not in the fucking mood to listen to this bullshit anymore. And in Wheels Reinvented, I talk about how we end anxiety when we tell the truth. But the mind's really sneaky. And the thing is, is when I'm in a state of anxiety, I become, I don't care if you have thoughts, but it's identifying with all of your thoughts that I'm worried about. I'm not, a—I can, my mind can think worried thoughts as much as it wants. It thinks 50,000 things a day. But when I identify with that one, then I have a problem because I say I'm struggling with anxiety. I forget that I can... Master it. So when we say when we're just watching our thoughts, it's still really easy to get taken along with them. When we watch our our thoughts through a scope. Baby boom, I don't have to get with any of y'all when you see it through a scope and you're like, okay, so this thought came up is that thought Would I say that that thought is coming from my intellectual center. Is it a yes or no thing? Is it coming from my emotional center? Is it a bad mood that's starting to get words? Is it ultimately a bad mood or a feeling of worry or a feeling of anxiety or a feeling of pleasure or whatever, but is it ultimately a feeling that came over me that I'm now trying to uh, like validate with words? Or is it coming from the moving I would like you for your first studies to please group the moving and the instinctive together because it'll be easier for you. But it is, was a fly crawling by and you swatted it out of the way? Are you hungry? Stuff like that. So I want you to identify when you're watching your thoughts three minutes a day, just when you see those voices come up, is this a yes or no argument? Is this a feeling that's starting to get words? Or is this something to do with my body, with my like mass? Cool. Because when we do this, we start to, we're able to facilitate the very first step to enlightenment. And this is what uh, Patanjali and the yoga sutras of Patanjali starts to refer to the seer. You start to split into two people. So here's you and here's your mind right there. Can everyone see that when you are watching your mind, you come into this other vision and this vision is who you really are. This is your true nature here. This is an eye with eyelashes.
2: Those are beautiful. But when you split
0: into two people, the observer and the observed, that's when everything starts to change. And as long, like, as, long as you're sitting in meditation, resisting yourself, you're not splitting into two people. It's only when we split into two people, the machine, the robot, the four centers of the mind, and the person that's watching saying, I wouldn't do that if I were you. I would stop that right now if I were you. Everest, go apologize to your husband right now. (laughs) So we split from the observer to the observed. So I'm going to walk you through a quick meditation, and then we're going to be all done for today because I want you to also feel in your body somatically what it feels like to be without the mind. And my number one favorite way to do this is with a meditation from the Kundalini Yoga tradition called Ego Eradicator, which I did before I even got, Oh, sorry, let's do this. I did before I even got on here because I was feeling an awful lot of insecure teacher. So what we're gonna do is three minutes of breath of fire or Kapalabhati breathing. And what's gonna happen after that is I'm gonna walk you through a guided visual meditation. So here's what I want you to do you're going to and you can use all of these you can use all of these all the time i use these all the time all the time all the time but here's what i want you to do we're going to do that three minutes of breath of fire after that i'm going to lead you on a visualization where we observe ourselves where we observe ourselves from the top of the room now here's why it's so important to do this most of the problems are in the illusion through which you live so for example in the present moment there's no problem ever in the present moment, there's no problem ever. It's your Maya, it's, your fant- it's the mind uncontrollably worrying about where it's going to be the next moment from now. It's the mind uncontrollably uh, fantasizing horrible things that aren't real, taking you on big imagination journeys that just drain you of energy and make you exhausted. And, and you start to believe that that's who you are and like your shit starts to suck really, really fast. But when we split, when we view ourselves, From above, this is a a meditation technique called divided attention, which is unique to the work. This gives you the ability to split into two people. When you are observing yourself from above, there's no problem. When you're observing yourself, to use a work term, as third force, new solutions appear where there weren't before. And it was very hard for me at first to start to see this vantage point now it's something that i do regularly and i know with practice you can do it as well there you will get more from two seconds of truly observing yourself or remembering yourself than you will from sitting for 20 minutes in meditation you don't have to do a lot of it this practice is private this practice is personal and there's a lot of opportunity for growth if you're willing to really work at it and i really really work at it these are things that you just keep in your head so what you're keeping in your head for this week is who's talking Who's talking in my head? That's it. Because all spiritual teachings were based on the assumption that you're an autonomous human being and and you're not. You're really, really, really not. So let's um what I want you to do is I want you to think about what your problem is right now and we're gonna bring it to this meditation. So Here's what you do. You're going to roll, touch your top knuckles to your bottom ones and roll this into a tight fist. Your arms are going to come to 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock with your thumbs electrified like this. You guys aren't able to see me so well from here, but that looks pretty good. Satnam, right? And we're doing, you can bring your hands down. We're doing Kapalabhati breathing. So it's a sharp exhale out of the nose. It goes like this. Shh, shh. You can do it as fast or as slow as you want. And while you're doing it, you're concentrating your energy on your third eye, which is right um, in between the eyebrows. This is also known as skull shining breath. Now, one of the things I love this meditation most for is for people that have money scarcity because the ocean, the tide rolls in and it comes out, the tide rolls in and it comes out. You don't have to think about breathing because God does it for you, but there's always another inhale with money. We can start to freak out that if we spend this there won't be any left. So I love Kapalabhati breathing because you're forcing yourself to spend the exhale, but you see that an inhale always naturally arises after this. So don't think about the exhale at all. Let it happen naturally. I'm telling you, it's it's science. If you exhale, the inhale will happen afterwards. You've been doing this your whole life. But in Kapalabhati, it's easy to let the mind start talking to us and be like, you're gonna die, you're gonna hyperventilate. No, that's not true. Start slow and start to pick up the pace okay we're going to do this for 3 minutes i'm just going to pray over us om namo gurudev namo om namo gurudev namo om namo gurudev namo agurena me jagarana me sakurena me siri gurudevana me agurena me jagarana me sakurena me siri gurudevana me agurena me jagarana me Sat Siri All right. Inhale. Bring your arms, uh, set your hands up, bring your arms up into position. We're gonna reach our arms over our head, take a deep breath in. Exhale fully. Inhale halfway and start. Now, if you hear me talking, keep breathing but I want you to be, your eyes are closed, you're focusing on your third eye, and you're pumping the navel, okay? You're pumping the navel, inhale happens naturally. Your arms are like, I'm tired. Notice if your body starts talking to you. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I can't hold myself up there. Yep, that's your moving and in your instinctive centers talking together. Notice if you start to feel guilt. Oh my God, I'm so bad at kundalini yoga. Notice if your mind is talking to you. You're going to hyperventilate. You're going to die. Just notice that that's the mind talking. Return your focus to your third eye. Vigorously pump the belly. Re-engage with your arms and work hard. Your spiritual growth is going to take hard work. Keep your arms up. Keep committing to it. Let's continue.
1: Sound are the conga a
2: a
0: we have one more minute make it the best minute that you can do engage your belly connect with your navel really make yourself a beautiful shape work hard you're building a state where you can where meditation happens naturally where meditation happens naturally. So work hard, build a state, get yourself fucked up. You can do it. close to me. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Inhale, bring your thumbs together. Don't look up, just touch. Inhale as deeply as you possibly can. And hold at the top and engage Mula Bandha until you feel your density start to shift. And as you feel that subtle change come over your body, take another sip of air. This will happen at your own time. Hold your
2: breath on the inhale until you can't hold it anymore. Engage Mula Bandha. Waste nothing. And exhale your hands down onto your lap. You feel how quiet everything is. Now switch your vision and see the top of your head. Don't think about it, just do it. See the part at the top of your head. And now float upwards a little more. Notice your shoulder caps and kneecaps. Notice where and how you're sitting. Notice the speed through which your vision can move. Come and float
0: in front of your own face. Look at your closed eyes, your mouth,
2: the rise and fall of your belly as you breathe. Zooming up even more, notice aerial
0: view, your home or apartment. Are there other people walking around? Do you have animals outside?
2: And look how safe and protected everybody is. Now I want you to think about that problem
0: you had that you wrote down. And notice how in your head all that is. Maybe it's something in your phone, but it's not touching you right now. Maybe it's something with your family, but they're not even here. The illusion that you live in isn't what you think it is. It's not where your body is. It's, it's where your mind is.
2: And just enjoy this peace and this stillness for one more breath.
0: I want to thank you all so much for being here with me today. My name is Everest
2: Asher, and I'll see you next week for the School of Unified Spiritual Law. Sat Nam.